Welcome to Crypto Talk Radio, the podcast for everyday investors like you. Visit us on the web at CryptoTalkRadio.net. And now, here's your host, Leister. Thank you for that, Bailey, and welcome everybody out there in Crypto Talk Radio found at CryptoTalkRadio.net. Well, the weather outside is frightful, and in some ways it's so delightful. But let it snow, let it snow. Welcome or welcome back to Crypto Talk Radio, found at CryptoTalkRadio.net. My name is Leister. I am your host, and I have a personal story to share. This is quick. I got my business stuff all sorted, finally. There's a couple of, you know, tax and all that. The tax bill's paid. Pay cash. Paid in full is the tax bill. Won't have to deal with another tax bill for a while. But the way that the taxation did for 2023... Basically, I'll have to do the uh, personal tax because it's a, a independent consultant. So I have to file it as a personal tax form. And I made a crap ton more money than I did before. Now, I it's certainly more than 2022 by far and away, by far and away, uh, easily probably double what I made. So I've got to look at that. And then since I just had the one endeavor, I am doing outreaches to find a second endeavor on the books. Mostly because I want to make sure there's a weekly flow of cash coming in. So my plan is to try to find another endeavor that pays weekly. Because that was nice. I had my other one, but they started acting they started acting funky and I got pissed off with them, frankly. I want to find one where, you know, it's basic stuff. They let me do my job. They're not fixated on this nonsense like the other one was doing and too many meetings. You're not listening to what I'm telling you. Things are a chaotic mess and you want me to do the cleanup and I'm not going to do that. I want to find one where, no, we just, here's our problem. You come in, Mr. Plumber, and you fix my leak and send me a bill. Simple. Because then if I can spend very low amount of hours on the second endeavor, but collect a full check, which is how the other endeavor was working, then I can get back to the weekly supplemental inflow, which is a lot of freaking money. And so then, with the amount that my current endeavor pays me, that'll put me back up to the, you know, the half a million dollars that I was doing. So that means though, I had to redo the banking side of things to make sure that the money flows to my business entity that's formed, signed, sealed, delivered, all set up. And I set up a dedicated account for that money flows there. That insulates me from the tax burden. Plus it allows me more deductions. I can deduct my office space. I can deduct equipment. I can deduct the bills, because I need those bills to do the work. The primary use of my internet at this point is for my endeavor, and I use quite a bit of it. So I'm kind of up in the air with those, but everything is starting to get into a groove. And starting 2024, that business brand is going to be more prominently displayed in various places as it's all unified with my endeavor and the podcast stuff I do here, plus combat, casual, and the radio show. And the radio show just kind of runs off the side. And we're working on the uh, sites, the site redesign. And I'm really excited to do the site redesign all across the board, especially for Combat Talk. It has a site now, but I'm working on some cooler stuff in the mix. With that said, let's go ahead and get into the cryptocurrency. I have a couple of news bits, not a lot of news bits. I want to focus on a wallet today. Kichi from our tri community did request on wallets and exchanges. So I'm going to do a wallet today that I've been trying out, and then I'll get back to another exchange, then I'll get to another wallet. So I'm going to be bouncing back and forth over the next couple, because most of the rest of the exchanges, thankfully, are just garbage.
Let's go ahead and check out some numbers. Coindesk.com is where I usually go. It doesn't matter where you go, but I like to go to Coindesk.com. I look at Ethereum first usually, and I zoom out to the month chart. And what I see is a lot of green, a pretty good deal of green trending upward. It may not feel like it because we did have some strong dips very recently, but it is on an upward trend as in the momentum, the, the visual direction is upward in general. And I want to point out why I'm so fervent that the direction is now upward as opposed to the middling that it was. For now, if you zoom out to the three-month chart, if you have access to it, Coindesk has that, some don't. Three-month chart shows obvious, clear, upward trending activity. The one-month trend just simply had some disruptions at three points during this period of time that caused people to think we were on the way back down. Then there were some pundits out there that claimed we're going all the way back down. There's actually one out there that I may talk about here on today's episode that said, Bitcoin's going back down to $32,000, deep, deep, deep. I'm not here to say for sure. I will say that that's rather extreme, frankly. I'm not going to say yes or no, because I don't know. I'm going to say that's rather extreme for what it is. It is what it is. He has every right to his opinion and whatever data he was looking at to support his argument. I see upward trend from here. I wouldn't say that it's significantly strong, but it's certainly upward trend. A low of 2330, a high of 2440, roughly 2450 is roughly is pretty good. You know, it's it's not great. Certainly, it's not where we'd like to be, but it's pretty good for what it is. I tell you what did go on a major run ever recently, and that was Binance, BNB. Binance went on a major run. Binance, not very long ago, was in the $200 range. If you look at its chart on the month chart, you'll see what I'm talking about. It was down, I want to say it was like 260, 250. And then all of a sudden, just very recently, the last couple of days of December, skyrocketed up and hit the 320 mark. So Binance is on a major, major run, the BNB token, which should tell you something. It should tell you a couple things, actually. One, if you notice, money is simply shifting from project to project. As I said, tends to do. Money is simply moving around. It's There is new money coming in at a very slow pace. I'll talk about that in a second. But essentially, the people that are putting money in, they're just jumping from project to project. You know, whether it was Pepe and they're jumping to this bonk garbage or it's, you know, Solana, which is going down now, if you notice. So it did that major run up and it's going down. All these ones, they're tiptoeing to different projects. And what they're doing, just because I know you're going to ask, is they're trying to tease people to buy in, to FOMO in off the green candle so that they can use you as excess liquidity. And it lets them make that profit. And they find these one-off projects here and there that seem to be popular, and they use that as the bait, as it were. So you've heard me, if you've listened for a while, say I stress that you should be careful because that's what they're really doing. They're trying to trap you and take your money. This does not mean that you cannot make some profit off of what's happening. Certainly you can make some money off of what's happening. It's a game of timing. And all I've ever said at CryptoTalkRadio.net is to please don't YOLO, please don't FOMO, Please don't chase green candles. Have a strategy and a game plan because the volatility was going to be obvious. This is because as new money comes in, there's fishing. They're going to be trying to fish for your money. It's up to you if you're a gambler and you want to roll the dice on it. I'm not telling you what to do with your money. I'm telling you as a request, because anybody listening to my show, I believe you're smart people. Be careful about it. That's all. That's all I've ever said. Be careful because... It is strategic. They want to take your money. And how you can help Leicester here is to spread the word about the fact, if you've listened to me for a while, 
you can probably count on one hand the times I've got it wrong. Fundamentally, what I've said is the truth, which is they're here to trap you. And if you've taken some of the high-level advice and you've been made or kept safe, spread the word and let people know. This guy is the one, he's not like the YouTubers that are telling you, doo -doo 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 -doo. he's not like the guys that are telling you to buy into, you know, whatever this garbage is over here, Grok or, you know, Bonk or all this stuff. He's not telling you to get into this DubX that apparently rug pulled, and I will not be talking about that. He's not telling you to get over into this Lillian Finance. In fact, he told people Lillian Finance was likely not going to get on Coinbase, and he told the truth because it didn't get on Coinbase. He's the one that's been critical of Saitama that's never recovered from what it is. Every single time, he's done everything he can to try to keep the listeners safe, spread the word, and let people know that's what the deal is, and that there's the truth is there's gamblers out there. There are going to be people that don't like being kept safe. They want to roll the dice. They just want to get something that's going to make them a millionaire and they never will sit down in a white room with four walls and realize they're just tossing money at a problem. They're not going to be made millionaires. They're not going to make it because they're stuck in the bubble, the bubble of gambling. Mine is to try to keep you safe from those bubbles if and when I can detect them, which is why I do what I do. I don't do what I do to become a millionaire. I don't need to. I make a lot of money as it is. I do it because I want to help other people make a lot of money that don't have the opportunity that I happen to have. So spread the word if you believe that's the right approach and that's what we should be doing. Cryptocurrency as a community is helping keep people safe. Spread the word and let people know. CryptoTalkRadio.net and hear the show and hear what I'm talking about and realize, okay, this guy's got it. He's got it. He's on it. He's on and popping. Do, 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 do. That's the song from the 90s. A judge recently came out, gave some bad news basically siding with the SEC, saying that Terraform Labs was illegally selling unregistered crypto securities, specifically the Luna token and the Mir token. And when we say Luna token, oh, that raises my eyebrows because it wasn't specifically clear what it's referring to. If it's referring to the new Luna or the Luna Classic that was formerly Luna. Suspicion is that it's probably both. Quote, this ruling falls in line with the regulator's assertion that most cryptocurrencies ought to be classified as securities and fall under the agency's purview. The current judgment only recognizes the SEC's right to oversee two cryptocurrencies, Luna and Mir. Stop. So that line is very telling. It's very important. Because the judgment, what it's essentially saying is, as we see it, so I'm, I'm paraphrasing, this was not a quote, as we see it, Fundamentally, all of these cryptocurrencies are fundamentally security. You know, they're all securities. But for the purposes of what we're talking about today here, do, 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 we're only talking about these two, Luna and Mir. And if you listen back with the whole outcome on XRP, I said, if you think that this is done, if you think the SEC is going to walk away, I got a bridge to sell you because they're not done. In fact, they were looking forward to that, to that ruling because it gave them an out to do exactly what we're seeing here which is sit back and marinate in the cut and then eventually backdoor it in, get a couple of judges, decide with them, and then make a strong case around locking it down. And of course, I've been tinfoil about the timing of these various events and the price effect that it has on them as a form of market manipulation. And hopefully you're seeing what I'm saying to be the truth because again, I'll tinfoil that, I'll own that, but at some point you're going to need to, you know, recognize, recognize, you know what I'm saying. I never did a coverage on the garbage known as WorldCoin. And the reason for this, I mean, I did a high level, but I didn't do a deep dive. I didn't because it's, it's, you know, 
this idea of scanning your iris into a thing and giving away your privacy and doing all this crap for a couple of free tokens where it's essentially a pump and dump. And that's what it is now. And it did follow the pattern of hex or excuse me, Zen. Well, both really, it did follow that pattern. Like I said, now the difference with let's I'll take hex. The difference with hex hex actually brought a utility to the surface that Worldcoin lacked. Worldcoin was a pump and dump. Worldcoin was, we're going to give it to you for free. We'll take your privacy so we can sell it and make some money. You're not going to get really a return on this. Very similar to the podcast one business. If you want to ride along, you need to accept these garbage stocks that are going to be worth nothing when we transfer this over. Same type of thing. That's what Worldcoin was. And I didn't sign on. I refused. So I didn't cover it. Hex at least brought some sort of utility in the form of the CD and everything else. So you cannot make an equivalency to the two other than the price, the visual, the graph. Zen, X-E-N, literally pump and dump because it was just printing, 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 which was obvious. That's what WorldCoin did. Printing, 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 and giving it away. You can't just give it away and expect a price, positive price movement, especially when there's a significant amount of supply as all three of those do. Quote, According to CNBC, U.S. media behemoth, the New York Times, is filing a lawsuit against OpenAI and its major investor, Microsoft, for violating the copyright of millions of New York Times articles. These texts were used, the NYT says, for training AI models that underlie the chat GPT chatbot. Stop. And then I've got a couple more. So if you've not followed chat GPT, first of all, kudos to you because it's all stupid. But I want to simplify AI because I think it's important you understand it because they're just rushing to it and nobody's trying to corral this crap. AI is nothing more. And listen to me when I say this, and I don't care who, whatever, I want the smoke. Anybody that criticizes this, I challenge you to go look it up yourself. AI is nothing more than software that was programmed by humans and quote trained to be able to respond in certain ways, according to the nature of the tool. That's all it is. If you remember way back in, um, we're talking like, geez, 90s, late 90s, way back, they used to have this device that was designed for dog training, where when you do it enough for the dog, it trained the dog not to leave the yard. This is before we had the electric, you know, the invisible fence stuff. Basically, it was like a, it was a little box thing and you could, it did different sounds and things that were harmless to the animal, but you, you know, it just, it trained the animal not to leave the yard and the software behind that, the logic behind this was there are certain frequencies we recognize that dogs will respond to in certain ways. Well, it turns out adaptation and evolution being a thing, the dogs basically just started ignoring it. Thus comes the electric, uh, the invisible fence, electric invisible fence. And that helps a little bit more. Fast forward and we get into things where like Siri, right? Google and some of these other tools where at a ba Alexa, where, you know, hey, play my song of whatever the F, right? Or, hey, how do you get to whatever, like Google Maps, right? You can go in, do the little microphone and say, navigate to da 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 or your nav in your car. You can say, navigate to da 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 da, -da and it figures out what it needs to do. Essentially, all that's doing is it's doing a search, a search around known data. When it does the search, it puts context together. So if you said, navigate to 123 Main Street, it knows from GPS where you physically are. So if you're in, let's say, Montana, 
And the city in Montana, let's say Helena, you're in Helena, Montana. It's looking for a 123 Main Street that is in Helena, Montana, because it's using a combination of the knowledge that's been given. A combination of various addresses as lists, a combination of mapping information, coordinates, GPS, etc. And it puts it together and says, here's likely what that person is looking for. Then it uses analysis around navigation. Navigation was put together from companies like TomTom, companies like Garmin, around getting from place A to B using marks, whether it's streets or corners or stores or whatever. It takes all this information and it gives you back a result. And the result is based on the device. The device may be your car's navigation, which is to show you a map with a little arrow that moves and the arrow is simply guided by the GPS. And so all of that I just talked you through, right? It sounds you're like, okay, of course, yes, I know, Leister, why are you explaining that? I know how my car works. Because you didn't realize that the very same technology that makes that possible, AI is simply that same on steroids. And what they do is they simply access more sources of information. These sources go beyond the simplicity of maps, coordinates, markers, landmarks, goes beyond that now to full sentences, context, language, the ability to explain something, the ability to respond, the ability to describe. These are trapped already in documents that we already have, books that we already have. What the New York Times is saying is that their newspapers, part of some of the training that went into what we now know as ChatGPT based off OpenAI, the training was done off New York Times source material. Well, if you remember and maybe some of you never went to this, but when you were in college, there was a thing called plagiarism where you cannot just steal somebody else's work. I don't care if it's a newspaper. I don't care if it's a book. I don't care if it's a journal. It didn't matter. You're not allowed to steal somebody's work or that paper's getting thrown out. You might even get expelled. You do it too much. What this lawsuit is essentially saying is that, well, these guys plagiarized our work to train their engine. So the answers you're getting from that chat GPT, though it sounds cool, that this robot quote is talking to you. It's not really talking to you. It's citing information that's been trained to cite back to you. And then somebody, some idiot has kind of pruned the way it turns that into a contextual response. Now there's nothing wrong with the approach. The problem as stated here is how you're using that information without giving proper credit to the source material and in many cases, you have to pay for that material. Newspapers.com is a great example. I can't just randomly cite stuff from newspapers.com, even if I pay for it. If I cite stuff from New York Times, they're probably going to require that I pay them at some point. If I'm using that and I am profiting off of this, and I guarantee you, Microsoft and OpenAI and all these other ones are significantly profiting off of the illogical rush towards chat GPT and AI. So I wanted you to understand the genesis of this complaint the genesis of this complaint is the use of the content without due process. You have to go through the right channels to use the content. You cannot just use papers that are out there, even though you may think, well, the paper was distributed and it's public. Yes, but it's still their material. It's still their information. You, everything online, if you go online and you look at news sources that are reputable, they're going to cite and say, this came from the New York Times or this photo came from this magazine or this came from this TV show or something that's necessary. Well, ChatGPT doesn't do that. Certainly not consistently. I've seen a couple times where it did, but rare. <laughs> so I'm not telling you what to do with ChatGPT if you're interested in it. I'm telling you 
that there's a lot happening with this business and it's just getting worse over time. Now, it warms my heart to see people fighting back against the crap because, as I've said on CryptoTalkRadio.net, I'm not a supporter and casual. I'm not a supporter of the rush to AI. Technology should serve people, not the other way around. When you rush towards something like this, you're telling people they don't have to study. You're telling people they don't have to learn. You're telling people they don't have to know how to do stuff. You're telling people not to be experts in a craft and rely on technology that's likely going to get it wrong because the idiot that programmed it didn't understand what the F they were doing either. That's just my personal opinion. So I'm simply giving you forewarning that is becoming a groundswell of lawsuits impending on ChatGPT. Let's talk about Bitcoin. A while ago, I had talked about the transactions I had done on Bitcoin and Doge, but mostly Bitcoin. And I said, you know, number one, Bitcoin is slow as dirt. And no, you can't use Lightning on, say, Trust Wallet, which I don't use as much as I used to, but you can't use Lightning on the Trust Wallet. Lightning is a rare activity to be able to find that. And some of the exchanges don't even support it. So you're stuck with the old uh, transactional way of sending Bitcoin from A to B. Usually with Bitcoin, it's a transfer. It's not like you're doing buy sales with it. It's a transfer. So let's say you were trying to, I'm doing this right now. You're trying to sell something on Craigslist or something and you want to accept Bitcoin or send Bitcoin. You could be, dude, you could be standing there for like 30 minutes waiting for this damn thing to show up. So I've resorted to Litecoin because Litecoin is reasonably faster. I mean, it maybe take like a minute or something. I can live with that. Bitcoin was like 15 to 30 minutes. The couple times I used it, it was getting on my nerves. Well, what we started seeing is that there's a rise in the transaction activity on Bitcoin and the fees are going up on Bitcoin as well, which may be a detriment to that popularity. That's not going to stop the bull run of Bitcoin. Bitcoin is Bitcoin. I'm calling it out because as fees go up, the fees they affect everything around cryptocurrency, even if it's just Bitcoin. Quote, transaction fees are what users pay to Bitcoin miners to process the transfer. So your transfer when you request it. These fees change depending on how busy the network is. I think most people know that. When many people use Bitcoin at once, fees go up as users compete to get their transactions processed quickly. A chart comparing Bitcoin and Ethereum fees shows that Bitcoin fees have spiked recently. This rise is partly due to a recent surge in Bitcoin's price, attracting more users and transactions. However, Bitcoin's fee increase isn't just due to the price rally. A new trend called inscriptions, where data is directly added to the blockchain, has also made the network busier, pushing fees higher, stop, and a while back, I did a coverage around the rush to for people to put NFTs and other things on Bitcoin because they don't like that it doesn't do anything and they're trying to turn it into a true blockchain not realizing that this very thing was going to happen because the blockchain for Bitcoin was never designed for the types of transactional smart contract NFT flotsam that we're trying to impose upon it. And so this inscription garbage where ultimately they're, just, they're essentially using the blockchain for data more than what it's intended to do. All that's doing is just going to have an impact on the transactional speed. So again, this does not affect anybody who's transacting on the central exchanges. It does affect the, if you're on your wallet and it affects the central exchange trying to replenish from miners because they're trying to get the Bitcoin up to them. So there are some impacts. Now, if this gets progressively worse, the reason I said I wouldn't be too much concerned is that it may cause a run on all the other stuff out there. Certainly Litecoin, I would expect. Litecoin, Bitcoin Cash. We also saw a little bit of Bitcoin SV. So I think it's a generally good thing. I'm just warning you that that's happening. 
because we have to watch how price is affected by what's going on. And I, I actually think it's a good thing. I think it's a bullish signal. I just wish they weren't trying to destroy the damn thing, but maybe that's a good thing for other uh, tokens that are out there. Coinbase recently announced some changes to its leverage policies. They're capping trading leverage at 10x for futures trades, which I think is great, by the way. So here's the thing. There are some gamblers out there, and I'm not going to spend too much time on the whole futures trading. I don't think it's worth it. But there are gamblers out there that love to do the 50x and all that. And I did an episode on MEXC, which is the ultimate casino. And I think they go up to like 50x. Tapping to 10x, what that's basically doing is it's they're arbitrarily limiting your risk that they'll allow you to take on. They're not allowing you to take a significant amount of risk above and beyond the threshold. Now, there's a couple of points to consider if whatever exchange you choose to do business with decides to do cap these. One, yes, it saves you from risk. Two, it may be an indicator about the potential, I stress the word, potential solvency or lack thereof of the exchange because that also might, I stress the word, might mean that said exchange is on the is at risk of running out of money. And we might, stress that word, might be seeing Coinbase simply reacting to what happened with MEXC that people claimed was FUD and claimed was false and claimed was not true. Whether it was true or not, I can't say because I'm not a MEXC. I'm saying that seeing Coinbase take this step fresh off the heels of what happened allegedly with MEXC seems to lend credence to the fact that something did happen to MEXC and Coinbase was aware of it and they were smart enough to get ahead of it. I digress. I'm simply warning you with whatever exchange you decide to do business with, this may be coming your way where they're trying to help you limit your risk and not overextend yourself going nuts crazy with a 50x or 20x or 30x whatever leverage point that you then get wrecked when things are because of the volatility that they know is coming. So just FYI on that one. I talked about earlier Solana and Solana taking a plunge, significant plunge. People were freaking out. There was a lot of FOMO selling that triggered off the initial plunge. It's pretty darn simple to understand. And I'm telling you this because you're smart people and you hear what I'm saying to be the truth and you know there's no reason to believe otherwise and you can verify it for yourself. And I encourage that you do so. You've got to understand how the game works. And it is a game. It is a very risky game. It is a game of numbers. The game of numbers is that as money flows in, they're going to shift to different projects because they're trying to treat you like exit liquidity. That's how the rich people profit off the retail is that they jump from project to project. They'll trigger a run up because they have the money to do so because they only need to put in, in many cases for them, a fraction of what they have. And it triggers a major run-up. And what happens? Psychologically, people on the retail side FOMO off that green candle. After they FOMO off the green candle, they've been told and conditioned by various YouTubers and influencers, not named Leister at CryptoTalkRadio.net, that all they should do is hold, 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 and everything's going to be all right. Wag me, this and that, and the other crap. Based, whatever the hell they say, then these rich people see that it gets to a point where they're at a 2X or 3X. And mind you, they might be putting in like, let's say 400 grand, okay, 400 grand, they might be perfectly happy with a 3X, okay, 3X, $1.2 million. They dump that bad boy, that chart's going to go down. What happens? Almost sells. Price goes down to a bottom, a rock bottom. We're seeing this with Volt right now. Goes to a rock bottom. Rich people are like, oh, I can buy on a discount, a deep, 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 and then they do it again. 
Meanwhile, while they wait for it to hit that rock bottom, they go to the next project and the next project and the next project. That's why you see some of these random, damn near dead projects all of a sudden go on spike runs like this gold mint crap that's not been active for like a year and a half. That's what's happening. The rich are influencing price so that they can trap and take money. It is truly a transfer of wealth from A to B. The trick is to not, you have to train yourself not to just buy off the grain. It's a psychological trick. When you do that and they know that you're going to do that, you're going to get your money took if you don't sell out in time. And many people are not conditioned enough to sell off in time. That's largely what's happening. And remember, these people are going to the central exchanges, so it's quick for them to do the transactions. If you're just doing on the descend side, you're not quick enough to keep up with them. You also have to remember Solana has a heavily constrained supply. That means that when those rich folks do that stuff, it's going to have a significant shift because they hold a lot of the supply, especially if they bought when it rock bottomed. I think it rock bottomed with like 20 freaking dollars. So if they stacked and stacked and stacked when it was rock bottom prices, that means they can significantly shift the price off of their transaction activity. You also have to consider last liquidation activities. When they are gambling on the central exchanges and they happen to get liquidated, those are sales. They're going to be sales. And so you got to be mindful. And I'm not telling you what to do. I'm saying you got to be mindful of when you buy and when you sell. Because if you're not, you're going to be a statistic. And I don't want to see that happen to anybody following my show. Because again, I think you're very smart people. The last bit of news I've got before we get to our wallet. India started blocking cryptocurrency exchanges. India, which is arguably one of the meccas for cryptocurrency and technology, starting to block cryptocurrency exchanges, start a little bit of wave rippling across the world in terms of price movement. Some of the ones that were blocked, Binance, I'm talking the main Binance, KuCoin, Wobi, aka HTX, Kraken, Gate.io, Bittrex, Bitstamp, MexC, and Bitfinex. The reason that this is happening, FYI, the reason that this is happening, India believes that these are operating illegally. Quote, despite serving a significant portion of Indian users, some offshore entities were not registered and did not fall under the anti-money laundering and countering financing of terrorism framework. So here's the bottom line. I know, so like I can speak directly to Kraken for sure. Kraken absolutely does anti-money laundering. I can say that 100% with, with no question in my mind. KuCoin does some, but I wouldn't, I would not argue it's aggressive. But what this means, them doing this, is that India has different standards for what they want in anti-money laundering. That should freak you out because no entity can accord to all these different frameworks and different standards and expectations that are imposed upon them left and right. It's not realistic. So what do they do? They go with the most aggressive standard just to try to deal with it all which on an older episode I called out, it doesn't make any sense that I have to go through KYC to do a hundred bucks of a transaction, but a hundred dollars in some countries might be a major amount of money. It's not in India. So then you question, well, why does India have such aggressive standards? Quote, earlier this year, the Indian government introduced anti-money laundering provisions into the crypto sector while tightening supervision of digital assets and bringing them in line with other countries. Authorities imposed a tax on transactions in 2022, dealing a significant blow to local crypto exchanges and causing transaction volumes to drop. Countries' local exchanges have complained that the new tax is driving Indian crypto investors to offshore platforms 
that do not impose the tax, further affecting their income. Stop. So this is what we're really talking about. And I would argue the United States is largely the same. Bottom line, they want money. They want tax money. And they want tax money on those profits that they see people making that are in the hundreds of thousands to millions of dollars in the local fiat. They want to slice on that doot, doot, doot. And when the exchanges don't collect that tax because they don't need to because they're offshore, what happens? Those residents are going to go to those offshore exchanges to do their transactions, which, by the way, ironically, is the reason likely that certain people transact on Gate.io and MEXC because they know that they're not going to collect any taxes on U.S. citizens. But the truth is, the United States ain't stupid. They're going to go after that and they're going to get their shit. I apologize, but that's what it is. So be careful. Be careful. I'm telling you that this is, this is an important action because it tells you why they're so aggressive about KYC when it's stupid. Instead of what I think they should do, because I know somebody will ask, what do you think they should do? What I think they should do is accord to the minimum necessary standard, period. What is a minimum necessary standard which to me is what is the threshold where KYC matters? Because I guarantee you that India doesn't care if it's a $100 transaction. I guarantee you they don't. Nobody's asking these deep dive questions. If India is trying to apply a single standard without a dollar threshold, I would push back on it and say, we're not doing that. Give me a dollar threshold and we'll implement for the dollar threshold. And it will be the minimum necessary to do the work, period. If it's under the dollar threshold, we're not going to do that burden because then nobody would transact. If India says, well, screw you, then you say, all right, well, then screw you, India, rest. That's what they do on U.S. They say, well, you can't transact here in the U.S. Okay, then I think you do the same to India. Because here's the thing. The bottom line is people are going to go to those exchanges no matter what. It doesn't matter what they're doing with the blocks and the bands. There's countless ways to get around it. It's not going to solve the problem. It's a game of whack-a-mole, and they're wasting people's time and money doing this crap. So I would rather they push back on the governments and send a message until the government does in El Salvador and says, you know what, screw it. We got to, we got to play ball and it is what it is. And we don't like it anymore, but this is what we got to do. And we're going to keep on doing what we do, 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 do. All right. So let me talk about the wallet because I want to just get a wallet covered. I haven't done a wallet covered in a while long. And the reason is because most of the wallets suck. I'll be honest. And I've got a couple on deck that I will have to, you know, kind of kick tires and do a review on, but I'm going to revisit trust wallet first. And the reason I'm doing it first to get it the heck out of the way, because it's arguably, you know, it's not the worst wallet, but it's bad. It's declined and I don't know what the hell's wrong with it. Apparently others aren't having the problem, but I'm having the issue and it's only with trust. So I know it's the wallet. It's not anything they're doing. So trust wallet is available on your computer. It's available on the mobile. On the computer, you cannot add other tokens, custom tokens, custom networks. You can't really do much with the computer one, but the computer one is convenient in the sense that it integrates with the wallet connect when you're browsing through the D apps. So that's nice. If you're on the computer, you can just do that. And da, da, da. I wouldn't leave it enabled, but point is convenience is there on the mobile side. The mobile, I think does a good job of accuracy of price for the most part. Phantom is kind of screwed up. Other than that, it does a really good job on accuracy of price accuracy of supply. I think it does a good job. The graphs are kind of wonky and the data is not live. So there is a delay in the data that comes back. And I'll talk about other wallets that I think do a better job in this regard. The 
It's also not intuitive, in my opinion, to connect it to like a ledger or, or save power or other hardware wallet. I don't think it's intuitive at all. It's kind of off the side. And if you didn't know, it's created by Binance. And then Binance has its own wallet, which is kind of weird. You can add custom networks to Trust Wallet all you care to. The one thing that's kind of a pain, not a pain, but kind of annoying about Trust Wallet, if you add another wallet to it, it forces you to enable the PIN. I don't do the PIN because the device never leaves me. It, it's always on my person. So it's another layer of inconvenience because I need to usually keep it active, keep it open, especially if I'm watching for a certain price or something and I don't have the alert because I didn't know because it's a different token or something. So I don't like to do the PIN because the device is never leaving my person. Even if it was, the device itself has a lock. I don't need a lock and a lock and a lock and a lock. You're not adding any security by having 40 layers of security. But if you're one of those that wants that, it is there. It also supports biometrics. I noticed though that the trust wallet seems to be absolute freaking garbage on iOS. And I don't know what the heck that's all about. So iPhone, right? Or iPad. It seems like it's garbage compared to the uh, Android variant, but it's faster on Apple than it is on Android. It's faster, but it's, it's buggier. It's weird. It just does weird things. So Ethereum, my Ethereum there, I can't do any transfers on Ethereum through trust wallet at all. It won't work. It'll bomb out with a generic error that doesn't make any sense because it's basically making it seem like there's a pending transaction when there's not. I don't know why, and it's only Trust Wallet, so I know it's something with the wallet. It's up to date. It's not the software itself. It's something that they screwed up because it wasn't always doing that. Before, it was working fine, certainly in 2022. I don't do a lot of transfers, so I didn't notice it till recently when I was doing some transfers on Boom. And then all of a sudden, it's like, okay, this doesn't work. I had to spin up my backup wallet, and that one works perfectly fine. So... And I've tested three or four different wallets and I'll be talking about each of those. They work perfectly fine. So I'm warning you, I guess, that while Trust Wallet is versatile, it has good accuracy of information. It's buggy, extremely buggy. Weird stuff happens and there's nothing you can really do. And they impose their stuff on you whenever they feel like it, which really bothers me. Other than that, I think it's a decent wallet. One of the stronger wallets, certainly better than MetaMask. Please if you're listening to me, I would recommend you don't do MetaMask because they violate your privacy whenever they feel like it. It's up to you, but I'm recommending that you do not. And I think Trust Wallet is arguably decent enough compared to, I know that the devs kind of prefer MetaMask, but I think MetaMask is crap. And Trust Wallet works with 99% of what's out there. That's my personal opinion. Trust Wallet also can access your NFTs, although it does not always display the artwork for them because it can't for every one of them. I'll talk about another wallet that I think does a better job with NFTs as well, because I did find one of those in the near future. So Trust Wallet, if you want to check that out, is available on Android and Apple, as well as your computer of choice. If you want to uh, consider a different wallet, if you are on a current wallet, let's say Coinbase wallet or something else, you will need to extract your 12-word passphrase it's referred to so that you can bring it into Trust Wallet. It's the same wallet, right? So... Your wallet lives out in the blockchain. It's not on the device at all. The device is just a viewer. It's just a viewer that interacts with it. So you can pull the 12-word passphrase from your current wallet, open up whichever other wallet you want. It'll ask you to import a wallet, you give it that passphrase, and you're up and running. It's that simple. And I'm going to stress to everybody listening and all, you know, you're smart people, but do not give that word passphrase to anybody that should not have it. If you're accessing or making it available for, you know, like, as a will, you know, somebody's going to get it after you pass or something. That's different, right? Put it in a safe deposit box, sure. 
I'm talking about just, you know, somebody to ask for it or support or some YouTuber. Do not give your 12 words out. Do not treat it like your debit card. Do not give it to anybody. Okay. Use it if you're going to transfer wallets. Certainly. I would stress, I would recommend you do not write it down unless you have to. And if you do have to, I would stress locking it up somewhere so it's safe. Protect that. Don't put it out willy-nilly. I'm telling you about that passphrase because it would be the only way to transfer your wallet if you wanted to get into trust. If you're not sure about trust, I would recommend set up a new wallet on trust so you can try some of the features. You know, send yourself some crypto from your old wallet into this new wallet that you create in trust. Play around with the features, see how you like it before you commit. Do not just commit. It's harmless. You can swap back and forth with passphrase. I'm saying don't waste your time if you're not sure. I would not want you to get into a wallet that is not serving your best interest. And as I said, I find it very buggy. Last note, just real quick. Uh, hopefully everybody had a really good Christmas. We are now en route to 2024. We got to see what that's going to look like from the political spectrum. Hopefully we get some smarter people about cryptocurrency in. We are expected to get on a pretty good bull run. I'm excited, at least partially I'm excited. I think it's going to be good things for good people, but we are seeing some mean crap show up. We are seeing some, some of those YouTubers come back that were doing it before. So I'll just keep saying until I'm blue in the face, which at point I'll be purple, you know, always focus on keeping a roof over your head and food on the table. Cause that's what matters. The crypto doesn't really matter. It's all a gamble. Right. I can't tell you what to do with your money. I am saying that your people to me should come first, first and foremost, other than that, I'll see you guys next year.